0: The following program, Pilgrim's Progress, is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future these words were written by the prophet jeremiah to a people who had just been sentenced to 70 years of captivity in babylon these are not the sweet words that we like to so twist today God was saying, I've seen your sin. You're going to Babylon. Seventy years. And I have plans for you after your punishment is finished. Plans to prosper you and to not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. But first we have to deal with the sin. For some reason I've dealt considerably in the last week with, with young men. I'm talking about people in their 20s and 30s. Young men who are not men, who are boys and who walk in wickedness, who walk without integrity, without morality, I've been confronted time after time with the lives of young people, men and women, who are an utter shame before God. Husbands playing around on their wives. Young men having multiple sexual partners. Every kind of uncleanness, lying, cheating, stealing, until my heart has been broken. And I say, Lord, these people say they're Christians, and yet every kind of uncleanness flows from their heart. How can you not bring judgment upon America when even those who call themselves Christians are lying and cheating who have no integrity young men who are still boys who have no sense of responsibility who have who have no sense of in fact some of them are still living with mom and daddy no sense of i'm a man and i'm responsible and i'm going to be faithful i'm going to be true I'm going to walk with integrity before God and before people. What are what are we thinking? Then we see General Petraeus. We see President Clinton. We see every kind of lying in the presidency of the United States. We see people trained to receive the wonderful gifts of government with no responsibility for themselves. What have we come to? Did President Obama win the election because he promised the goodies Of the American taxpayers for those who don't think they've gotten what they deserve, but they're not willing to work for it. They want free handouts. When I was a child living on a farm, we didn't always have the food we wanted. But my dad would have died before he took food stamps. You know what he did instead? He got on his knees and he prayed. And he prayed until God heard his cry and answered it. Because God was his source, not the federal government. But I fear we live in a day when men and women have forgotten how to pray. And been unwilling to spend the time and the energy necessary to reach the throne of God. Can you touch the throne of God, and can you change your physical circumstances? I want to continue reading for you in Jeremiah. He says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. These are fabulous, wonderful promises of Scripture that if we'll pray, if we'll seek the Lord with all of our heart, he will be our provision not the federal government. That's not the plan of God for your life. The plan of God is to cry out to him, to, to pray, to repent, to get clean, to walk with integrity before God. I want to share a story with you today. It's rather a long story. See, I recognize we don't live in the day of Jesus, and we don't live in the day of the apostles. But you see, when I go to the Scriptures, and I read Mark 11, 23 and 24, and I, I read other passages of Scripture, and God says, I will answer you, and I will meet your cry. Well, maybe I'm just foolish enough to still believe that. I'm not foolish, and I do believe that. And God has answered my cry time after time after time. He has been my provision. He has been my healer. He will be yours also if you'll cry out to him. But it's not going to be a short, quick prayer. It's going to be a long prayer. Because God wants to do some things in your heart before he answers. I want to read a story for you. This is the story of Guy Bevington. He was a traveling evangelist. He'd been trained in prayer by a dear blind brother who taught him to stand by faith and to pray. Now, he's holding meetings in Ohio, and a man in the lumber business came to him and said, Would you hold a meeting down where I live? I'll read you what he did. Well, sir, where do you live? About 22 miles from here. So I prayed over his request and felt somewhat inclined to give the matter further consideration. I asked him for the names of the leaders, and he gave me two. After the meeting closed where I was, I went to the woods, and there I got on my face before God because I had to hear the mind of God regarding this invitation. I was impressed in my spirit to go, but as I seemed to be running up against some pretty hard problems in my prayer, I decided to wait before God to be definite and sure. I spent 48 hours longer in the woods praying, making a total of 120 hours to get things straight from headquarters. Now, do you hear this? This man totally left his work and he spent 120 hours praying to get clear with God about where the next series of meetings was to be held. You see, he knew that holding a series of meetings was a useless endeavor if Jesus was not going to meet him there and move in that meeting. I'll get ahead of my story by just a little bit, but tell you that when he finally got there and he finally held the series of meetings, over 200 non-believers came to Jesus Christ and became serious followers of the Lord God of heaven. Would you spend 120 hours praying if it meant 200 new believers for Jesus? That's how this man operated. He says, it pays to know what we're doing when it comes to dealing with God or to minding him. That is where the trouble is with so many. They jump to conclusions when they should proceed slowly. Brother Knapp, who taught him how to pray, taught that nine times out of every ten we get our impressions from Satan. So we need to wait, get still, and get where God can actually talk to us. So I searched for the mind of God, and he gave me clear assurance. He wanted me to go to this place. After I'd finally gotten real still, free from everything else. He showed me the road I was to take. I saw a clump of trees and a little traveled road running off to the left and down to a schoolhouse. Between the main road and the branch road was quite a grove of small trees. The schoolhouse stood down a slope in front of a creek with a large cornfield beyond that. Further back yet, stood a large farmhouse, a big barn, some outbuildings, and a windmill. I said, Amen, Lord. That's good enough for me. I want you to catch this. I know this goes against much of the modern teaching, but I'm not interested in the modern teaching. I'm interested in Jesus Christ. And Jesus called this man to pray about his next evangelistic series. And the assurance that he was given was not only to say with an impression, yes, but he was then given a full view of the physical surroundings of where he was going so that when he got there, he would know he was in the right place. We serve the living God of heaven. Nothing is too hard for him. The problem is our heart and getting right with God, and being willing to turn aside from our sin, and listen to him long enough, and get still enough, and small enough before him, that he can deal with our hearts. He came out of the woods, and went down to the house to tell the family where he'd been staying. I ate some dinner, and stayed out on the and started out on the 22-mile walk carrying two heavy suitcases filled mostly with books to sell. I traveled until sundown and stopped at a house to ask the owner for a drink. I gave out some tracts and talked about salvation to that man, and when I told him where I was headed, and then I told him where I was headed, We talked about salvation until after dark, for I had become very interested in his soul and that of his wife. I did not yet know where I would spend the night, and was relieved when he said, Will you stay the night with us? The next morning he said, See here, you're going down there on uncertainties. I know that man that you'll have to deal with. He is a hard-headed German man. Now, right down this road, there's a church, but we have no services and no Sunday school. If you'll stay here, I'll give you the best room in the house, and you'll have all the time you want to pray. Give us a meeting, and then go to this other place, since you don't have any definite dates there anyway. Well, that sounded pretty reasonable, and seemed to be good logic, a great trap that Satan sets. He has little trouble getting lots of victims to fall right into it. This was a case where it paid to pray through, for Satan would have stood a pretty good chance of sidetracking me if I'd not spent those hours in the woods getting everything straight from heaven. Yes, it pays to get plain, definite orders, even if it does take 120 hours to do so. Now, this man, Guy Bevington, if you're new to the broadcast, has written a book, Remarkable Miracles, and he ministered in southern Ohio at the turn of the century. He's an old-timer, a holiness preacher. Now, my name is Ray Greenley, I pastor the National Prayer Chapel, in Woodbridge, Virginia. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. My heart is that we would turn away from the worldliness, from the entertainment, from the sports, the professional sporting activities, the football, that we turn away from all of these things, turn away from the television, turn away from even the Internet, and begin to search after God with all of our hearts. If we don't, the judgments of God are going to be poured out in such measure that it will destroy this nation. The only hope this nation has is that it will turn back to God. The judgments of God are already falling on this nation. The hurricane that came into New York City is just a small taste of what God has in store if this nation does not turn in repentance. Floods, hurricanes, volcanoes, earthquakes, this nation is going to be destroyed if it does not repent. Look, that's as straight as I can tell you. I'm not a modern preacher. I'm an old-time follower of of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I too am a holiness preacher. Now, if this doesn't suit you, go ahead with your sin and and do it the hard way and face the judgment of God. But if you have a heart for Jesus and you claim to be a Christian, then I urge you to spend this hour with me and to listen carefully while I share insights that will help order your steps as a follower of Jesus Christ. Guy Bevington said to the man, "'I can't stop now, but maybe I can come back.' "'Well, he still felt I ought to stay, "'knowing the obstacles and the failures "'of the place where I was headed. "'But I went. "'I gave out tracks all along the road, "'and when I got within ten miles of the schoolhouse, "'I told people where I was going "'and that I would hold meetings there. "'You understand, this man is walking, "'carrying two suitcases,' over 20 miles. It's going to take him two days to walk that. And he didn't feel too hard put upon. We want to get in our car and zip where we want to go and mad because there's a little traffic in front of us. It's time to slow down and get right with God. It's time to let him deal with our sin. One woman looked very doubtful as she said, "Oh, I do wish you could get a meeting and a Sunday school at that place because the people are getting desperate there. They are so ungodly and so wicked. And what they go in and and they go into the woods Saturday night to play cards and gamble and drink beer and have rooster fights until Monday morning. Oh, I wish you could, but." How many people get stuck on that word, but? I went on, and when I was within four miles, I stopped to get a drink. I gave out tracts and told the family of my mission. The woman of the house sighed and said, I do hope you can get something started, for they're very wicked down there. Their wickedness reaches all over the country. You see that girl in the garden? She's 13 and my only living child. Every Saturday my husband goes over to the rock houses in the woods where they gamble and swear and chew and smoke and tell all sorts of smutty yarns. He takes that girl with him to do the cooking. She, being innocent of the danger, rather enjoys it. I've done everything I can to prevent it. I've even tried to get the neighbors to help me break up their hellish work, but the men are all in it. They like to have my girl there to do the cooking for them. I'm nearly distracted over this. They leave here about one o'clock on Saturday and don't get back until Monday. Often they do not come back before night, and I have all the work with the stock to look after. Well, I kept on going, praying and handing out tracts. At another place I was asked to stop and have a meeting in a forsaken Baptist church. But I kept on going. My burden was increasing as I came nearer the end of my journey. I soon met a man and a wife and gave them some tracks and They asked my business When I told them they shook their heads, starting to pass on. They stopped, and they called back, "You'd better stir up some of these hollows instead, for I'll tell you that you'll be fooling away your time in that awful neighborhood. Those are the ones that Jesus came for." I replied. Oh, yes, yes, but if you knew what we knew, you would never stop there. There have been many attempts there. All of them have failed and left the place in worse shape every time. So I walked on along, thinking and praying, God, this is thy work. What does it all mean? And the Lord answered, What's that to thee? Follow thou me. Well, that was enough. I had my orders. Now, the man wasn't yet satisfied, and he turned around and overtook me. He stopped me and said, I live over on the other side of that hollow. We'll give you a good room and all you can eat. But up at that schoolhouse, there's a dark prospect. If there's any place on earth that needs a meeting and a Sunday school, it's in our neighborhood, and we'll see that you get some money too. And you'll get none of that where you're headed. Well, that was quite an inducement, but it was not the right place. So I thanked him for his kind offer, and I said, I may come back when I get through out there. You'll be of no account when you're through out there, even if you come out alive. Ominous words indeed, but I'd receive my orders back in the woods. I preferred to obey God and run my chances with Him rather than accept man's invitations. I continued on toward this unknown dark prospect before me. Soon I saw a faint road branching off to the left with a diamond-shaped clump of trees and a schoolhouse. I knew at once that this was the place that I had arrived now at my destination. Behind the schoolhouse I saw a creek and a cornfield beyond them sat a large farmhouse and a big barn with a windmill. Well, I said, this is the place. I made my way down through that clump of trees to the schoolhouse. I tried the door. I found it locked. So I pushed my way through the weeds higher than my head around to the back of the schoolhouse. Then I got down on my face in those weeds, and I began to praise God for landing me at the right spot. He had shown me my hollow. He had shown this to me in the woods, 22 miles away. Father, I'm so thankful I escaped the enemies I encountered on the way who tried to get me off course. Dear Lord, I'm also glad that you made it possible for me to pray clear through and get my orders direct from you. I'm glad you have fixed me up so that I'm able and perfectly willing to run the gauntlet, though facing some muscular giants who've been swinging their clubs and aiming them square at me. I'm confident that thou wilt enable me to run through without a scratch. I lay there on the ground for some time, praising God and thanking him until he let the glory pour right down into my soul. I had to get up and run around. I began to return. Then I began to return to dealing with the practicalities of my mission. I set off for the nearest house to hand out tracts and inquire there for the man who had the key to the schoolhouse. In the second house on the right, the woman of the house explained as I thanked her and started on. She said, Say, aren't you a preacher? Yes, ma'am, I am. Were the, Are you going to hold meetings in the schoolhouse? Yes, I expect to. Oh, I hope you can, but there it, again, it was, that but. I'd learned to ignore the buts. So I turned in the direction of the house of the man who had the key. Soon I came to the house in a large barn, just as I'd seen it and there was a big fellow out in the truck patch cutting down weeds. There'd been a great deal of rain. He could not plow his corn yet. I set my suitcase down and offered a friendly greeting to him. He looked up and responded cordially and encouraged. I asked, Are you the man who has the key to the, to the schoolhouse? Well, yes, but what of it? Well, I'm a holiness evangelist. Before I could even finish the statement, he'd straightened up on his hoe handle and said, "What? A what? A holiness evangelist?" He repeated the phrase to himself, and then he said, "Now I've had a, I've seen all sorts of evangelists, but I don't believe I've ever I don't believe I've ever heard of a holiness evangelist." Well, sir, just come right on over here to the fence and look this one in the eye. He's. Intrigued by that, so he came close to the fence and he said, What do you want? I want to get in that schoolhouse you have control of and hold some meetings and get someone saved and organize a Sunday school. Well, he said, I would personally be delighted to unlock that door and let you in for that good purpose, but I've been notified all the way from the wiggle tail to the puddle up to the giant on the throne that I'm not to unlock that door for preaching. The benches are just about whittled up anyway. I'm real sorry, though. I know it would make my wife real glad to have you hold meetings. She would take hold and help you all she could. He really did not seem sorry for rejecting my request, though. And then he said, it's about dinner time. Why don't you come on up with me and have something to eat? So we went. It was a somewhat strained meal, for his wife obviously felt very bad that her husband would not open that door. It was not clear what his authority or his power was in the situation. It was just clear that unless he unlocked that door, there would be no meeting. That door was to become the all-important item over the next nine days. When dinner was over, he finally spoke. Mr., I was down at the mill three or four weeks ago, and a friend of mine, a trustee over on the other road, told me that they've just finished their new schoolhouse. He said if I should meet a preacher to send him over, that they'd like to have meetings over there, and a Sunday school started. With that, he led me out onto the porch and said, Pumpkin Hollow, you go right back down the road until you come to the first pair of barns on your left. Turn there, cross that bottom, and go up a hill, and follow the road until— you get to another hollow through a strip of woods about three miles, I'd guess. Now I've got to get back now to my work, but go on over to Pumpkin Hollow and have a good time. I'd been dismissed. I picked up my suitcase and started off down the road thinking to myself, Pumpkin Hollow, huh? That's not what I came for. Well, Lord, where am I going now? "'What's that to thee? Follow thou me,' came as my only answer. "'So I kept going until I came to a long hill on my right, "'and then the voice said, "'This path is the way.' "'So up that great hill I began to climb, lugging my two suitcases. "'Well, Lord, where in the world am I going now?' "'I climbed up that hill, asking no more questions.' I REACHED THE SUMMIT OF THE HILL AND DROPPED MY SUITCASE UNDER A LARGE OAK TREE, AND THE VOICE OF THE LORD CAME, THIS IS THE PLACE. THIS, LORD? YES. I SAT DOWN UNDER THE OAK TREE AND EXAMINED MY SITUATION. SINCE THE MOST OBVIOUS HINDRANCE TO HAVING THE MEETING WAS THE LOCKED DOOR, I FELT THAT THAT'S WHERE I SHOULD BEGIN. I stayed under that tree for the next nine days and nights. I had nothing to eat, but that was not of concern to me, for I knew my burden was to get that door unlocked. God had sent me there to hold a meeting, and Satan was trying to hinder the meeting. My business now was to pray that door open. Breaking the door down would not solve the problem, Nor would giving up. That would be disobeying God and disregarding his orders. So I embarked on nine days of prayer. Now why did it take that long? Simply because I could not get still enough any sooner. Did you hear that? It took him nine days to get that door open because he could not get still enough in his spirit. I want to say it another way. He could not get small enough in his spirit for God to answer that prayer. After the first 24 hours, Satan came down and argued the situation. I had a conflict with him almost every day. Then he brought up Pumpkin Hollow as a much better place than where I'd been laying on the ground, as it had rained for three days, it rained on me. He stressed that the fact that I was damp and shivering under that tree would cause me to catch a cold and I'd probably end up dying of pneumonia. Not only that, there was no progress. And so it went for eight days and nights, and on the morning of the ninth day, I began to sense that I was becoming still before the Lord. At the fifth hour of that day, I rose from my face. I held up the Bible while I praised God that the door was going to be opened. I cried out, Well, Mr. Devil, if you have any more material down there in hell, just bring it up here now. I've met every objection he'd offered from the Word of God, and he could not take up another position against me. He had exhausted all the resources that he had and he was completely whipped. I dropped back down to my face feeling sure I was near the opening of the door. At noon, I knew I was becoming totally still and oh, how desirous I was to keep that condition. I did not even want to breathe. Several times I held my breath until I could hardly get any air. Many times when I was so close to the object of my desire, I would hold my breath and just barely touch it. So I kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until I saw myself as a little worm, not over an inch long, and I began to whisper, Glory, 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 glory. I had felt assured now the victory was coming. In a couple of hours, I was very still, oh, so very still when I said, now, Lord, thou wilt open that door. And I heard a key go into that lock. I heard it turn, and I saw the door swinging open. And as the door opened, it left a mark where it rubbed on the floor. And I said, Oh, glory, it is open. Inasmuch as that meeting had been such a hard pull from the start, beginning with the many hours spent in that place of prayer, I felt I had the right to do as Gideon had done, and I asked for a second witness. So I dropped on my face again, and I whispered, Lord, you didst answer twice for Gideon. I believe you will for me as well. I held very still, and in 15 minutes I was as small as before, In five minutes more, I heard the same sound as before and saw the mark quite plainly once again. I jumped up and I praised God for the wonderful victory after nine days of conflict. Then I prayed up my suitcase, I picked up my suitcase, and I marched back down that hill. Please, I want you to understand that when the Lord says, if you cry out for me with all of your heart, I will answer you, he doesn't mean shooting a little prayer at heaven. He means literally getting on your face before God and spending whatever time is necessary because God is the most important being in all of the universe. And when he says something has to change, it has to change. The power of God is released through consecrated prayer. Prayer that will not take no for an answer. Prayer that is in line with the will of God. Prayer that just doesn't give up. Now, some of you have been praying that your mother or your father or your husband or your wife would be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Have you spent nine days of prayer yet? Well, I can't do that, Pastor. I have to go to work. Oh, well, how about taking nine days of vacation? Or 10 days of vacation and getting on your face before God until you get an answer for the salvation of your loved ones. What's more important? You see how this, how this lies? You see the position we're in. God's not going to answer some pleasant little prayer we pray as we hold the covers over our head in the bed. You're going to have to be a man. You're going to have to get before God and do the work that He's called you to do, and then He'll answer your cry. He'll respond. Are you willing to get serious? Are you willing to get serious with God? Well, he walks back to the farm, and he sees the man out in his truck patch again. Seeing me as well, he he shouts, Hey, well, how was Pumpkin Hollow? When I did not reply, he said, You've had a good time, I reckon. I've been having a fine time, sir. Well, I know you would. Say, we just got through with our dinner. Why don't you go on up to the house and get something to eat? You look like you could use a bite to eat. I went on into the house and was greeted warmly by his wife. I'm so glad to see you. While we were eating dinner just now, my husband had to get up three times to answer the telephone regarding the meeting here. She seemed surprised, but I wasn't. Please remember that I had been doing my duty all along by giving out tracks all along that 22-mile trip and telling everyone what I wanted. This had given God a foundation to work with. Then as soon as I reached the tree, I began to pray. God began to work first on all those people and then work through them by having them telephone this man concerning the meetings. As I was beginning to get still under that tree, God had three of those people call him up and remind him that they ought to have a meeting there. He soon tired of that, and after answering the third call during his dinner, he suddenly said, "'Wife, how's Nance?' Nance was a bald-faced mare that had been crippled for about two weeks. Well, she must be okay, I said. I guess I saw her running and kicking up her heels just before dinner. Why do you ask? Well, he said, get Frank, their ten-year-old boy, and tell him to bring her up and saddle her and go over to Pumpkin Hollow and tell that preacher to come here as soon as he can get through. That was at the very time I heard the bolt turn in the lock and saw the door open to rub the mark on the floor. God had given me that witness, the evidence that my petition was answered after nine days of praying for that door to open, and he gave me the witness as soon as this man gave his consent. We can rest assured that God will give us a satisfactory witness when we pray through and wait for him to respond. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed, thought I got an impression from God and said thank you very much and off I was to the races, only to discover later that I was absolutely wrong, that it was Satan that put the impression in my mind and it wasn't God's will at all. That's why now I go very slowly. I don't push. I stand by faith and I wait on God until he gives me the absolute word and then confirms it so that I have a foundation of faith to stand upon as I move forward. For this broadcast, I had to pray through, spending several nights in prayer about whether this broadcast should be continued. There were no finances to continue. I went to prayer. And very quickly, after I had spent those two nights in prayer, a precious couple sent me a check. They're not people who are Christians. They sent me $1,000 for this radio broadcast. Only God could have moved in their heart, and God only moved because I spent the time in the prayer closet. Then another precious sister brought a check for $500. So against the radio bill from listeners who have sent Money this month is seven hundred seventeen hundred dollars one thousand seven hundred dollars now that 's not quite enough for the radio for this month yet, but i'm not concerned about it because the Lord has told me he's going to move he's going to open the door, and he 's going to pay for the radio. I had a foundation to stand on I got the assurance from God, so I stood. But if you stand on a whim, you'll be disappointed because it probably wasn't God. Well, after doing justice to this dear woman's fine meal, she gave me the key to go down and unlock the schoolhouse and air it out. She promised that they would phone around and inform everyone that the meeting was going to be tonight. So, I passed the man in his truck patch, and he said, "You go on down. there'll probably be some women and children out to your meeting tonight, but we men are going on after the foxes that have been killing our chickens. We get together and have an organized fox band, and I was put in as captain. We've invited quite a lot of we've invested quite a lot of money in about twenty hounds." And we're all going out every night, about 30 men, until we get rid of those foxes. So there will be no men at your meeting tonight, but there will probably be some women and children. All right, sir, I have the key, and that's the main thing right now. I hurried down toward the schoolhouse, quite anxious to open the door and see that mark caused by the door. I held my breath as I unlocked the door and then pushed it open. Sure enough, it rubbed on the floor and made a mark just as I had seen it. I cried out, O glory to our God. Then I just stood there, and I wept, and I laughed, and I shouted for joy, and I had a blessed time, nearly an hour, rejoicing to know that God would take such pains to show me so many things, all of which were to assure me that I was on the right path. Finally, I returned to the next order of business. I closed the door and got down on my face on the floor, and proceeded to begin a spiritual stampede on that organized fox club. I prayed for nothing else for the next three and a half hours. I just stuck to the club of thirty unsaved men with souls that God had to set that God had sent His Son to save. "'About 7.30 p.m., I heard quite a racket outside "'with the barking of hounds and the voices of men. "'And then I heard their captain say, "'Well, boys, let's go in and see what this fellow is doing.' "'They all dismounted and tied their horses and filed in. "'I got up off my face and shook hands with everyone, "'placing a new songbook in each hand after I released it. "'Let's have a few songs,' I announced.' Well, now, we're just staying a few minutes, said the captain. Well, that's fine, but for whatever time you are here, let's just sing. Then I quickly bowed my head and asked the Lord what song I should sing. I felt everyone would, that everything would kind of hinge on that first song. The Spirit said to me, Will there be any stars in my crown? I was surprised. "'for that was not a song I would be partial to choosing "'to sing in the presence of so many sinners. "'But I did not dare question the voice of the Holy Spirit, "'and I called for that song. "'That's it, exactly,' said the captain. "'I was so amazed that this song was what they all wanted, "'and oh, how they sang it out. "'I called upon the captain to lead, and he sang very well. "'In fact, he was quite enthused about leading the singing.' BEFORE THE SONG WAS OVER, THE SCHOOLHOUSE WAS PACKED WITH PEOPLE. SO I VENTURED A SECOND SONG TITLE, AND IT PROVED TO BE ANOTHER GREAT FAVORITE OF THEM ALL. I GAVE OUT 75 BOOKS TO ADULTS AND CHILDREN, AND HOW THEY DID SING. THAT SONG SERVICE WAS THE ANSWER TO MY PRAYER. THAT BROKE UP THE GREAT FOX HUNT. I WAS NOT ABLE TO PREACH FOR NEARLY AN HOUR. After bringing forth my message, we had another song service with the captain leading it. Captain, I believe you should select all the songs and take charge of the singing for these meetings. Can you meet me here before the service and go over what you've chosen? My words so met with everyone's approval. I never heard another word about those chicken thieves, the infamous foxes. Those blessed meetings lasted nine weeks. On the fourth night, the captain stepped out when I'd closed my message and with tears in his eyes said, Boys, we want and we need this kind of salvation. Come on, let's have it. The whole 30 of them came and began to pray in earnest. The captain was the first to pray through, and by midnight, he bounded to his feet and proceeded to jump and shout elatedly. Then he began to preach as he walked back and forth among the other 29 men who wept and prayed until nearly 4 a.m. in the morning. Three prayed through. Do you know what I mean by prayed through? I mean they prayed until they had confessed all of their sins. All of the unholy desires of their heart, they prayed until there was nothing left, and the presence of God came into their hearts, and they were changed men. Is this the kind of faith that you want? Is this the kind of honest Christianity that you want? Are you tired of the shallow and the cheap and the tawdry? Are you tired of the wickedness of your heart? Are you tired of the arguments and the fighting? Are you tired of the uncleanness? Lying and cheating and stealing. Are you tired of being a sinner before God? Are you ready to come and get serious before God like these men were? And pray. Are you willing to be real Christians? Now, I know many of you are very religious who listen to this broadcast, but religion's not going to save you. Your fine theology is not going to save you. Your, your wonderful entertainment is not going to save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. And what's he want to save you from? He wants to save you from your sin. He wants to make you righteous. He wants to give you a new life in him. He wants to fill your your life with hope and joy and peace. He wants to fill your life with integrity. And men, he wants to fill you with manliness. He wants to teach you how to stand though the heavens fall. Women, he wants to teach you womanliness, humility of heart. He wants to teach you how to to be a lover. He wants to teach you how to be a woman. We have about five minutes left in this broadcast. Any of you want to call quick? Our phone number is 877-534-0780. I'd be happy to take one or two calls quickly if you'll call right now. 877-534-0780. 877 534 0780 When are you going to be willing to come out of the out of the closet out of the cave and just bluntly say I'm going to follow Jesus Christ and I'm going to confess my sin and I'm going to get right with him until I'm filled with the power of the spirit and I too can shout and dance and say Jesus You've saved my soul. When are you going to do that? When are you going to step forward and say, I've had enough of this dirty, wicked life. I want Jesus. When are you going to do that? It's time to do that. What will cause you to step forward? Only Jesus. In his mighty power, only Jesus can cause you to step forward. It's time to confess sin, to get right. To no longer walk in this wicked world like we were one with it. Three prayed through. Seven women had also come forward, and three of them prayed through. The captain's wife was one, the only regenerate person in the whole neighborhood when the meetings began. But she wanted full sanctification. During these meetings, over 200 knelt at the altar, and most of them prayed through. The wonderful stories are too many to relate here. But so many said, what if Bevington had failed to... Pray through under that tree. It pays to obey God, even in the way when it seems utterly impossible, with conditions that block our way. There's a a huge holiness hall that was built there. A wonderful work of God has been done in that valley. A wonderful work of God needs to be done today in your heart. Will you let God do that wonderful work today? Will you let the coldness of your heart, the lukewarmness of your heart, be brought to a fire, to a boil? Are you willing to get serious with Jesus and pursue him with all of your heart? Because if you will seek him with all of your heart, you will be found by him. Now let me pray for you. O oh Lord, I know in your spirit that men and women are listening to this broadcast and are under deep conviction. I pray that you will increase the conviction until they cannot stand themselves in their sin another moment that they will get on their faces before you and cry out at the top of their voices and ask for mercy for the forgiveness of their sins. Almighty God, I stand by faith now that you are answering this prayer. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. With great joy Now unto Him who is So oh.